Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I'm here today to give you a word from the Lord because you are so precious to God. But first, before we begin today's teaching, I want to welcome you. And also for those of you that are joining us for the first time, I want to invite you to go to our website at mydayofdestiny.com. There you can see and hear all of our podcasts. You can select any podcast you choose and listen to it and add to your spiritual curriculum and add to your library and experience the wealth of wisdom that God wants to give you for your ministry, for your destiny, for your place, for your position. Now, beloved saints, let's go to the Word of God. Welcome to our program today, The Prophetic Word. I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I want to welcome all of you to this incredible program. God has put on my heart the anointing that He is releasing on this generation in this hour. And today I have a very special guest that I want the world to meet. And that is my precious granddaughter, Gia, who is the foundress of one of the most incredible moves of God in this generation, For the Martyrs. Gia, you were raised with the things of God. And I just want to welcome you to our program today. And uh, I have a scripture before we open and hear what God has done in your life. But first of all, I would uh, like us to look at this scripture as we open together. This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before you, that by them you might war a good warfare. So welcome to the program. Everyone is excited to meet you and tell us where their prophecies that went before your life. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to sit down with you, not just as my grandmother, but as my mentor and my pastor. Um, you know, it was a privilege to be raised in the ministry and throughout my life, um, being raised in a very devout Christian household, going to the ministry often, going to your services and having the privilege for the first time to travel when I was just 12 years old to Egypt with you, with my grandmother. I'll never forget that. And it always resonated in my heart. And from a young age, I knew that I was called to ministry. I had a yearning in my heart for that. And um, in 2017 was the first time that I traveled to Egypt in my adult life. And it was actually in Egypt, although I was working what I thought was my dream job, it was in Egypt that I received the call to ministry. This is amazing because you went with us to our pastor's conference that we have every single year. And we sponsor pastors for the persecuted church, um, Christian leaders from all denominations, because when you're persecuted, the radical ideologies do not ask, what denomination are you? They just see the cross and the cross becomes a threat. So we sponsor uh, leaders from all over the land of Egypt, most of which that are too poor to pay their way to such a conference. And we sponsor them, pay their way. And you were at one of those wonderful conventions where there were pastors and leaders from all Christian backgrounds um, from every denomination worshiping Jesus together in the solidarity of Christian unity and in the solidarity of Jesus because of the persecution. Yes, and 
I had never been exposed to that atmosphere in my adult life. So, you know, traveling when you're younger, you have a different perspective of things. And going to Egypt, um, being around people who are so persecuted for their faith, who are facing death, I had never realized that not just old people are facing persecution, not just the older generations, but young people, people my age, were willing to lay down their life for the sake of Christ. And that resonated with me so deeply. So it was first being around the faith of the persecuted, but I can tell you the exact moment where my life changed. And you were actually, you, my grandmother, Dr. Michelle Corral, was on stage and we were, I was part of the intercessory team and I was a total novice. I was just trusting Jesus and um, you were on stage and you said, there's somebody in this room and you feel like you are not fitting in in the world and God is calling you to give your life to Him and to serve Him in the ministry. And my heart just started burning. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. And I wasn't really sure if God was calling me, but I knew that my heart was burning. And I said, okay, yes, Jesus, I know you're calling me right now. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what my life will look like after this, but I know that I want to give you everything. And that decision um, I took so seriously. And when I came home, I started serving under your mantle. I completely changed my life for the Lord. And I've been serving him ever since. This is what is so amazing because of your life of fasting, your life of prayer, your life of seeking God. But I think particularly one particular mission trip we took together, you've been with us to Mexico and um, many of our humanitarian missions, as well as our preaching missions, you've been part of. But one particular mission that God so opened the door, and that was with the Syrian refugees. Tell us how this affected your life to see little children that escaped the horrors of the Syrian um, regime and also to see little children that would have been in, in danger of chemical warfare and whole villages that escaped had nowhere to go, families that just stuck together in and escaped to Jordan, Al-Mafraq, Jordan, where we brought food, clothing, supplies. Tell us about that, sweetie. Yes, well, going to the, Sir the Syrian refugee camps, um, it absolutely changed my life in a number of ways. And that was really, that experience was the confirmation in my ministry that I wanted to do something for the persecuted. I didn't know what it was exactly yet, but I knew that I had a heart and really it was in my soul to do something for the persecuted and being able to go just 10 miles, I think we were 15 or 10 miles from the Syrian border, holding the small Syrian refugees who have been affected by atrocities that we can't even imagine here in the West, holding them in my arms and experiencing such a deep love for them that I knew was from the Lord. And also we had the opportunity to sit down with Iraqi refugees, um, young uh, families and young women, uh, young adults that were willing to risk their lives and leave everything for the sake of Christ. And I can tell you one story in particular. We went into an Iraqi refugee family's home and we were sitting down and hearing their experiences. And ISIS or Islamist militant groups came into their family's home in Baghdad, killed the brother in front of the family, kidnapped the sister, and threatened to come back and kill the family's other daughter. The other daughter was around my age 
and sitting with her, knowing that she had suffered so much at such a young age. And I asked God, why did she have to suffer so much when we were similar in age? Um, she had a beautiful life before ISIS. But I realized in that moment that we're all called to make that sacrifice in one way or another. We're all called to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel. And it's her witness, the young girl's witness, that encourages me to this day. That is so, that is so wonderful. And to see this, the, this suffering church at such a young age. And what really touched my heart, Gia, is when we were invited, our, our ministry was invited to go to a very dangerous place in Egypt that I really prayed about because not so much that our lives would be in danger, but the Christians to have an American evangelist in a village in Egypt, especially a place called Almenia, was very, very dangerous. And I wasn't about to ask you because I know your precious mama and your, the whole family. I would never do that, even though you're my granddaughter. But you said, Grandma, I want to go. I want to go to Egypt. And I said, oh, you know, we have to make sure that your mother feels comfortable. Everyone in the family feels comfortable. You know, I don't want you. This is going to be so dangerous for you to go, you know, and risk your life unless God is really telling you. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that was like. Well, again, it's something in my soul. I can't really verbalize it, but I know it's like when you know you're called to a certain people. Some people are called to young adults in America. Some people are called um, to do world missions. And it's in my soul. I know that I'm called to the persecuted. And so when the opportunity, I like to say it was an opportunity, arose to be able to go to Armenia, and I knew you were going, I felt that there's no way that I can't go. I have to go. I have to um, be able to minister and to hold the person persecuted and to pray with them. And initially, when we brought the opportunity to my mom, she said no. And I prayed and I asked God, I said, Lord, if it's your will that I go, change my mother's heart because there's no way that I would go without her blessing. And I prayed and I sought God and eventually she changed her mind and she allowed me to go with you, which is a miracle. Yes. How did you know prophetically that Jesus was calling you to this? Not just because you're my granddaughter, but how did you know? Did Jesus reveal something to you by the Spirit in your dreams? Or did you get a prophecy that confirmed this is the path God wanted you to go? Because I know there are many young people viewing today that wonder, is the way God speaks to me really relevant? Is the Lord's word to me something I should hold on to? Well, over the course of the years of serving under your ministry, I had been praying and asking God, what's my calling? I know it's to serve you. I know it's to be in the ministry, but I didn't have a clear picture of exactly what it was. And in the beginning stages, in the early years, I knew that I had to pray and serve faithfully under you. So I made the commitment and it was such an honor. I learned so much and just to be mentored by you, um, again, not just as my grandmother, but as my mentor, my pastor, changed my life in more ways than I can articulate. And throughout the years, I received several prophetic words, but a few were the most important and um, relevant to the call. And the Lord told me very clearly throughout my prayer that I was to serve Him faithfully for three years and then uh, the time to take on my own ministry would come. 
And so throughout those three years, I was praying and I kept receiving confirmations. And as we approached the two-year mark, I received a word from Pastor Bunny Hinn that I was exactly where I was supposed to be and that I was about to blossom. And I took that as confirmation to continue to serve, to continue to seek the Lord. And the time would come that he would reveal to me my ministry. And again, while we were in Egypt, um, a pastor gave me a word that um, to write the vision and make it clear on the tablet. And he said some other things to me that made it very clear that I was to continue to seek God in his face. And as we approached the three-year mark, um, actually on my birthday, I wrote in my journal, Lord, I feel that the time is coming that you're going to give me my own ministry or give me whatever's coming next. And I wrote clearly, I'm ready. And within two days, the Lord laid it on my heart to have a march for the martyrs, which is a march to stand in solidarity with the persecuted church, which we had on September 5th, and also to start a nonprofit organization for the martyrs to raise awareness about the crisis of Christian persecution, stand in solidarity with the persecuted church, advocate for religious freedom, and provide aid to suffering Christians around the world. This is amazing, my dear. And as soon as we come back, I want you to pray. We are going to pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit touch everyone that's viewing, that those of you that are thirsty, that God would reveal to you what is the mission, what is the destiny He has designed for your life. We're going to be back in just a few moments with my dear granddaughter, Gia, and we're going to pray for you. And we're going to release the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We're going to release the anointing of God's Spirit upon you for dreams, visions, and when you open the Word, that God will speak to you and that you will have an experience just like Gia did writing in her journal and what God spoke to her. I believe when you write in your journal, God is going to speak to you. So let's go live now to the service in your Belinda and we'll be right back to pray for you. And the sons of Merare and he appointed psalmists chief psalmists as he began composing the book of the psalms and the levites began to learn how to prophesy on their harps and how to prophesy in song and how to bring the glory of god down through a new way but still in the order of god you see we're transitioning we're not in the era of katherine coleman anymore we're not in the era anymore of all of those greats that went on before us we're not in the era of dad hagen anymore as much and as precious as he was but I want you to know the order has not changed the ministry will change but the order has not changed so he upgraded it he took the Levites he transformed them he used the same orders the same families, 24 orders of them, set them in place, set them in position. One mistake has now become a miracle, but the miracle doesn't stop there. 
You see, when you make a mistake and you keep learning from that mistake, there's no end to the revelation God's going to give you. When you make a mistake, there's no limit to the ministry God is going to give you through the improvement of that mistake. And so we see, we see as he's constructing all these new things, new orders, new orders of the Levites. David gets a vision. I can't live in my house. And God dwells in a tent. I can't live in this palace. And God is in a tent. I want to build a house for my God. For the ark. A place where the ark can dwell. A magnificent house. A magnificent building, a magnificent. And David began to design by the Spirit. He began to see it. And First Chronicles 28 tells us that God gave him the design by the Spirit. David began to be the architect of the Temple of Solomon. Had the mistake not happened, had there not been a fallout in the protocol, David had two ways to handle it. He could have kept grieving the Holy Spirit and stayed stuck. He could have kept grieving the Holy Spirit for his whole life because he didn't learn. He doesn't realize that a mistake is, really can become a gift. A mistake is nothing to be afraid of. A mistake is something that will lead us into our future if we handle it correctly. Two ways to handle a mistake. We can be in total denial about it and blame everybody around us. And stay in that mistake for the rest of our life and it will hold us back or we can take that mistake and say, I'm going to learn. Where did I fail, God? Show me. I'm going to learn. I'm going to change. I'm going to upgrade. I'm not going to stay stuck. I'm going to upgrade my vision. I'm going to upgrade my purpose. I'm going to upgrade everything. I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to take it to another level. Can I get a witness somewhere? Somebody ought to say upgrade. Upgrade. Your mistake is your road to upgrade. David is now designing the temple. And he asks Nathan the prophet. Nathan the prophet loves him so much he got a little bit in the flesh. And he said, go and do. But then God said, no. There's too much blood on David's hands to build this temple. But a son will be born from you whose name is Solomon. Notice, before Solomon was ever born, God already knew his name. Hello, somebody. Whose name is Solomon. And he shall be a man of peace, and he shall build my house. And he shall sit upon 
your throne and your kingdom is going to continue forever. And he said, you wanted to build my house, but I'm going to build your house. And you see, that didn't stop David. Though he could not physically build it, the rest of his life changed total direction. King David, for the last years of his life, the last unit, you know, every section of our life, we have to discern it. It's not all the same. We don't just go through life like walking on, you know, the airport, those walking, what are those things called, the ramps that move? Those little ramps that move that, that we try to walk very quickly and we think that's life that's not really life every stage of our life is different some stages may be a 20 year period other stages might be a 30 year period cycles of life David discerned his life well the last unit of years he spent focused completely on the tabernacle, the temple. He designed it. All the wars where he sent Joab, all the spoils of war, he stockpiled to be finance for the temple. He orchestrated the Levites and all the priests put them in order. He ordered the lumber. He ordered and befriended kings of Lebanon because that's where the cedars would come from and the pillars. He made covenants with them and they became closely connected together so that when Solomon became king, all Solomon had to do was just finish it, just put it all together. David did all the work. David was a man of the future but it all came from one little mistake and you know something it wasn't just David that made that mistake God allowed it so that he could bring forth a new ministry, a new dimension of destiny, and a new glory. Tonight, we have that opportunity to turn a mistake into a miracle. Tonight, we have that opportunity to say, God, I want every mistake I've ever made in the last few months to be used for your glory. Show me where I missed it. Show me how to correct it. Show me, Lord, what I need to do to build up the kingdom. Somebody should shout the victory today. Let's stand to our feet and give God praise. We're back and I'm so glad that you stayed with us because we are going to pray for you to receive the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
God wants to submerge you in the supernatural presence of God that comes through prayer and through seeking his face. Gia, today we have so many wonderful people that wonder, how do I know if God is going to use me? Let's pray together today. And I'm going to ask you to lead us in the prayer that God will touch individuals that are watching this telecast with dreams, with visions, with speaking in God's word, with the stillness in their voice, in their heart. Just like Elijah, he heard God in the still, small voice. Would you pray right now for all of those today to hear God's voice, to know what God wants them to do in their ministry and in their future? Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now and we lift up every young person watching this program. We ask you that you pour your Holy Spirit down upon them, Lord, that you would open their hearts and their minds to the Holy Spirit and your mission and your call for them. I pray for boldness in the body of Christ. I pray that young people across the United States, uh, across the United States and across the world would be willing to risk everything for the gospel, just like the persecuted. I pray that you receive the call that God has on your life and that you are willing to go forward trusting him, not knowing what it looks like, but trusting that you're called by him for such a time as this. God wants to use you. And I pray for your boldness in Jesus name. Amen. And I want to give the invitation that if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you can do that right now. He wants to be your best friend. Do you know he is the closest? He can wash, not only touch you, wash away all the sins of the past, but when you receive him into your heart, your life will be changed forever. And I want to tell you, he's the closest companion, the best friend. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will lift you up out of the pit. It does not matter what you are going through right now. Jesus can change it if you turn your life to him this very moment. There may be someone viewing today that is feels like you're in a pit of depression or someone else that feels like, like you have no direction for your life. What meaning is behind your life? You know Jesus wants to give us a destiny-driven life. And you can receive that destiny-driven life by asking Him right now to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life. Would you do that with me right now? Just say this prayer with me and, and just ask Him right now to take over your whole life. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be my savior. I ask you, Lord, that you would lift me up out of the pit. I ask you, Lord, that you would be my best friend. Walk with me from this day forward, every day of my life. I turn my life completely over to you. Give me a love for your word. Transform me. And Lord, I ask you to reveal to me what this life is all about. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now we're going to turn it over to the announcer. And the announcer is going to tell you how you can be a partaker of the grace of God in this ministry through praying for us and also through your love and through your contribution. Thank you so much and God bless you.
Thank you for joining us on our telecast today. We want you to know that your love is greatly appreciated. We'd like to invite you to take this opportunity to donate to our Hesed Global Missions. Let the love of Jesus shine on you today. You can help our feeding programs in Masaka, Uganda, and Kampala, Uganda, help educate children in India. We are raising up Christians who have been violated of their human rights in Pakistan through the Dr. Michelle Corral Sewing School. There are so many initiatives that need your seed. Become a part of Hesed Worldwide Global Initiatives today. Text Hesed to 77977 or visit our website, breathofthespirit.org, and click donate to donate via PayPal. Thank you on behalf of the thousands that are helped every day by this ministry. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and we'll see you very soon.